Greetings in the name of Jesus. Um, not exactly sure how preaching is going this morning. I'm used to sitting beside my wife and she squeezes my hand, arming my leg before I leave. Didn't happen this morning. So pray for me as I, as I uh, preach. Thank you, Alice, for the prayer. Um, the prayer of his saints are precious. The, um, I'm going to have kind of a um, patriotic sermon today, so for those of you that aren't into the patriotic side of it, uh, can leave at this point in time. But I don't really think that it has anything to do with patriotism today. The um, title of this message could be called um, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights among those that are, these that are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These were the feelings of a certain group of rebels of the 13 colonies back in 1776, I believe, July 4th, there was a group of men that came together and they, they came up and accepted this, this uh, reading. And I think it's a, um, it was written in a time, and I, I don't want to spend too much time on history, but I think history is something that's important. It's something that we can learn from today from the mistakes of our fathers and forefathers um, and also of the good things about ha that happened years and years ago. I think we can take positive and negative lessons from the history of, of time. So there was this group of, of colonists that um, lived in the eastern part of our nation, as we know it today, and they really didn't care much for Great Britain. They, they, find, they found Great Britain to be somewhat oppressive, in fact, quite oppressive, so oppressive that in um, about three years before 1776, before this Declaration of Independence was signed, they had themselves a little party out on the Boston Harbor. Would any of you guys know what this party was called? The Boston Tea Party. There was 100 men that got together on a, on a ship, and they tossed, um, let me see, I think it was 342 trunks of tea, which amounted to about 45 tons of tea into the water. Now I'm telling you, those, those fish were the best teed fish in the, in the universe, I think. 43 tons of tea floating around in the harbor. Um, they say, the reading that I was doing on it, they say that, that there was probably millions of dollars considered in today's value, it would be considered millions of dollars worth of tea that got dumped into the harbor. There was the British uh, warships were close by, but for some reason they never, I don't know, it was under the, under the um, cover of darkness, which most of those things happen under the cover of darkness, and when you, when you think about this story, it, it all unfolds like a best-selling 
true crime book. Anne Rule might have written it or something like that. But you know, they dressed up as Mohawks, Indians, so that nobody knows who they are. Dressed up or undressed as Mohawks. I'm not sure exactly how that is. But it, it was just, it was amazing how they pulled that one off. And then, then they found the oppression of the British, they found it really stifling. They said that their, their biggest gripe was that it was taxation without representation. So in other words, they said that we don't like that we're paying all of this taxes, but, but we don't have any representation. We don't have anybody. We're not allowed to share our views on how we feel about it. We're just getting taxed and we're not getting any representation. We hate this. And so that's after that, there was a few little skirmishes that happened. In fact, uh, I think it was in like 1770 or something like that, there was a, there was a group of rebellious colonists that, that they came up to a guard, a lone guard that was standing outside the British embassy, what we would consider the British embassy today, and they started pelting them with stones and, 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 and dirt clods and whatever else, and, and that would make me feel quite uncomfortable as well. And he called some, some of his henchmen, and they, they went ahead and started firing on him, and they killed six colonists and created quite a rift, and they, um, they were not okay with that. And um, soon after that, I think Paul Revere drew a picture of the murder um, of, uh, I'm not even sure what the place was called, but it was, it was a dramatic picture that drew, drew the colonists together and they, they were already on the verge of rebellion and that just helped out. <clears throat> so the revolution started um, and the Revolutionary War was had and the United States of America was formed and now we are what we consider a free nation. But the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And how does that look? Let's talk just a little bit about that. Um, I'm actually going to be reading out of Hebrews 2, um, verses 14 to 17. And it says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, and this is talking about Jesus, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy them that have the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them, him, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make re reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered, being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Isn't that just a wonderful thing, that we can have that life through one who died on the cross for each one of us? Jesus, Jesus made a point. He said that he, he often, he talked about it, that... Through him, no longer do we have to face death. And I, I wrote down here in my notes, it says, maybe the biggest hurdles that us Christians and non-Christians face today is death. Is that a fair statement? Um, 
I think that in the end, God has given every one of us a desire to live. You know, there's days that I am just so tired. I'm so sore. I'm, you know, whatever it is, it's like, it would just be so nice if I could die tonight in my sleep, you know, that I wouldn't ever wake up again. But that is, I think in the end, when that last breath is given to me, I'm going to be struggling for that breath. I mean, I, God has get, given us each that desire to live. And that's a good thing. But I also think that the fear of the unknown is something that probably is something that we all struggle with. And yet, the promise, the wonderful promise that God has given to me, he has given to you and everyone here, we don't have to fear death. Um, Jesus was talking with Mary and Martha, and he was telling them that he said, in John 11, 25, verses 26, 25 and 26, he said, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Those who believe in me, even though they will die, the physical death, it doesn't say the physical death, but that's what he's talking about. The physical death will live, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. What a wonderful promise. We'll never have to die because of our belief in Jesus Christ. John 3, 16, what does he say? Whosoever believes on me will not perish, but have everlasting life. We won't have to ever face that, the, the spiritual death. We can have that promise that we'll be in, in, with him in, in heaven. John 8, 51, I tell you the truth that anyone who keeps my word, he will never see death. These are, these are Jesus' own words. The, colum, the colonists were concerned with life the way that they saw it. They, they, wanted, they wanted to have their physical life a good life. And, and, and they were worried about the British. But this isn't what, this is taking it to a new level. Jesus, Jesus has promised us life eternally with him. Liberty. I looked that up in the dictionary. What, is, what, is, what does liberty mean? What does liberty look like to me? The state of being free within society from oppression, restrictions imposed, and the power or scope to act as one pleases. Oh, isn't that a wonderful thought? I can act just like the way that I please. There again, Jesus has given me that liberty, that freedom to have all of this. He's given me the freedom over death. And we talked about that. He's given me the freedom over sin. Does that mean that now that, Sat, uh, that Hannah has accepted Christ as her Savior, that she's going to be baptized today, that she's no longer ever going to have the desire to sin? No. I think that means that we're no longer slaves to sin. I don't think that, that Satan has, has um, his stronghold over us anymore. Now we can be victorious over sin. It's a beautiful thing. Um, There again, Jesus, Jesus gave some direction on that. Luke 4, 17, 21, he's talking, and, um, or he's, he's getting ready to, to, to talk to a group of people, the Sadducees and Pharisees, and he says, um, so now he's going back to Scripture to verify what he's saying. He says, 
He goes back to Isaiah's prophecy, uh, I think it's maybe in Isaiah 56, I believe. I'm not exactly sure anymore. I looked it up and I forgot to write it down. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to them that are bruised. Isn't that wonderful? We can be free through Christ. Jesus has given us freedom to choose our own path. You know, we can choose whether we want to serve him or if we want to serve ourselves. 1 Corinthians 9.19 says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servants unto all that I might gain the more. I've made myself a servant. How can that be freeing to be a servant? But I think that every one of us are here today are called to be servants. We're called to be helping our fellow man. I was just visiting with a friend of mine this morning, and I told him, I said, you know, I love people. I really enjoy people. I love talking with them and, and interacting with them. But there's days that I would just like to retreat to a mountain where no one knows where I'm at. I'd like to go on a little island where no one can find me. But is that where God has called me? I've been called to be a servant, to help. Each one of us have got a journey that we're walking on, and, and each one of us are called to be helping each other on this journey of life. It's beautiful. 1 Corinthians 6.12 says all things are expedient. No, it says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. So I can do anything that I want to now through Christ Jesus, but not all things are right for me. I think I need, to, I need to look at what does God want for me in life. Doesn't he want the best for me? Yes, he does. Do I deserve it? Absolutely not. The colonists wanted to be free from oppression, but mostly because they felt like they were being unfairly taxed. Christ teaches us to be servants. That's, that's not a fun thought. Jesus has given us the freedom to preach the gospel. In fact, it's a, it's a command. It's a direct command. He says, go to all the world and preach all, to all men. This, again, is going back into the history of, of our country. I think it was in 1776, there again, the same year that the Declaration of Independence was signed, there was a man... And let's see if who the youngest person is that knows what this man is talking about. And he had an urgent message that he had to, that he had to share. He rode through the midnight um, on a horse. I mean, through the darkness. He rode through, through the countryside. And they didn't have highways that were, that were nice and smooth and, and whatever else. I mean, it was treacherous. It was dark. There was tree branches coming down. And... And there was mud holes that they were going through, and I'm sure it was a really treacherous... He was risking his life doing it, but he had a message that he wanted to proclaim to the nation. And he went galloping through, this, through these silent towns and sleeping countryside, and he said, The British are coming! The British are coming, and we need to rouse up and, and face, face these people. We need to get guns, and we need to, to um, protect our country. Who, who was this man? 
Oh, we got one back. Uh, yep. Seth. Paul Revere himself. He had quite a message to share, didn't he? And it, and it is a wonder. I mean, I guess in that time it was an important message to share. But today we have got a much, much more important message. Do we have that same courage? Do we have that same, we're wanting to go wherever we need to, risk our lives, risk our finances, and do whatever else so that we can have that, so that we have that message that we can get it to the people that really need it? Our time is short here on earth, and we're, at some point in time, we're going to die, and those people that haven't found the Lord, they're going to die too. Are we doing our part to spread that word? And the last one that I want to talk about, the pursuit of happiness. This message has been weighing on me for the last couple of days, and so I've had some fairly interesting uh, conversations with people. I might ask the church this morning, what is your idea of happiness? What makes you happy? most miserable people out here. They don't care. <laughs> Safety and the will of God. Amen. And the, the individuals that I talked with were coming at it from a more of a secular viewpoint. But both of them, or two of them, I should say, said health is very important. And I, I think to all of us, we say that health brings happiness. We are all happy with health. It's part of happiness. But I think in our, in our starved, uh, let me see, what, what is the word that I, I'm groping for? I think today in our society, many people have got, in our American society, can I say, many people have made their finances is what's going to be their happiness. They are sure that if we have that extra thousand dollars, if we have that extra hundred thousand dollars, if we have that million dollars, whatever that amount is, and I am not talking to the, to the people out there, I'm talking within our churches, we are just sure that that could probably bring happiness. You know, the richest man in the world that ever existed lived on the planet Earth, and I think that, that um, Dwight preached about him a number of times. You know, Solomon, he's one that would have made Elon Musk and Bill Gates and a few other people look like mere street paupers. You know, he said that wealth is vanity. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. There was a businessman that I was talking to and he said he wishes that somebody would have told him that as he was climbing this ladder of life, we, I look at him and I say, well, he's a successful businessman. And he said that he wishes that somebody would have told him years ago that as he climbed the successful, the, the ladder of being a successful businessman, he wishes that somebody would have told him that at the, that the top of this ladder, when he gets to the top of this ladder, Guess what's going to be there? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. 
Is that something that us as Christians, as brothers and sisters here in Christ, is that something that we face today? That our finances are important to us. They are important. You know, if we don't have anything, that's pretty bad. Our houses are pretty important to us. If we don't have a house, that's pretty bad. Our well-kept manicured lawns are important to us. Don't have that, that's pretty bad. We need to have at least two vehicles. Well, I guess I've got four, but they're pretty bad, so I guess it, it's okay. Um, you know, we, we have got these aspirations of what makes us happy. Healthy bodies, that's gonna be, that's gonna make us happy. It's all part of it. But we can have none of that. I can be completely broke. And I can be in bad health. I can have no vehicle, no house. My children can all be dead. My wife can be dead. My husband can be dead. And I can still have happiness. How can that be? Only through Jesus Christ. There's only one thing that is going to bring true and lasting happiness. There's so many people that were just pretty sure that when I get that wonderful yacht, I'm going to be the happiest man alive. Peter might think that when he marries Sarah, he's going to be the happiest man alive. That's part of it. Yes. But it will not be the end. There's going to be days that you're going to say, hey, Sarah, you. <clears throat> I don't know. I really messed up, man. <laughs> or Sarah's going to say vice versa. I'm not picking on, on Peter necessarily. It will not bring true happiness. The end result is that without Jesus Christ, there is going to be nothing but misery at the end. There's going to be nothing at the top. <clears throat> There's millions of immigrants today that are willing to risk their lives risk everything that they have in order to come to America where they see a life of ease and happiness. Will they find it here? It's going to be just like everywhere else. They've got to make that resolution in their own mind that we want to be a part of Jesus Christ. And that brings true and lasting happiness. <clears throat> I think part of it, I, was, I wasn't sure if I was going to have time, but I think I'm going to take time. Psalms 37, if I can just read that. And I think that's part of the problem, that we look around and we say, um, you know, there's old Bozo out there. He's making a good living. And, you know, he works on Sunday. He smokes. He drinks. He, he does everything else that we... <clears throat> Nice little Christians wouldn't do. But look at him. He is so successful. He's got, he bought another 120 acre farm. Are you kidding me? God, strike him dead. You know, I mean, this is, this is not the way that he should be going. And this is what the psalmist was, was um, talking about. It was Asaph. No, Psalm 73, I'm sorry. Did I say 37, I think. But in Psalm 73, Asaph was writing it, and he says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were, well, were almost gone. My feet had well nigh slipped. 
For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I think in his mind that he, he saw that, that God is still his fortress and his strength. And he wanted that. But in the end, he still had that pang of jealousy when he looked around him. And he said, For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most time? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Oh, poor, poor, pity, poor me. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. And this is when he had that revelation. Surely thou didst send them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked to my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant, I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continu continually with thee, that is holding me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but that? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart, and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-warring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. And that's a wonderful thing, that the promise that we have. God has given us, Christ has given us so many promises about his faithfulness. And, and I don't think that any of us need to be questioning whether God will be there for us. <clears throat> there was another story that I had of a, a man in Kansas that had bought this really nice place. And it's hard to imagine a nice place in Kansas, but I think there are some places like that. But he had, a, he had built it up, uh, and he had well-watered gardens. He had, he, had, uh, he had flower beds, roses. Of, he had gardens with roses of one color, and then in another garden he had a, roses with another color. And, and there, it was just absolutely beautiful. But as he... He got older and he passed away, and uh, but so they started taking tours through this mansion, and one of his former employees were taking a group through, and one of the ladies that were going through just made the comment. She said, "This is so beautiful. I feel like I've just had a little bit of heaven right here." And the former employee made the comment. He said, "Well, my boss." This is the only part of heaven that he'll ever enjoy. And that is so sad when we think about that. And you know, I have no idea what that person's, what that person's life was like. 
But I do believe with the testimony that he left behind, with at least with that person, it didn't feel like he had a good testimony. And that is sobering when you think about that. Let's not concentrate too much on, on the um, things of this world. It is so hard to find that balance, I believe. And you know, the, proclam or the Declaration of Independence was declared about 250 years ago. And the pursuit of happiness is something that we're still struggling with today. And we've got the answer right here in front of us. You know, the answer is so close at hand. It's Jesus Christ and not material, material things that are the answer. But so many of us Christians today, we're pretty sure that we can maintain both. God makes it very clear. Jesus made it very clear in the Bible. He says we can't serve God and mammon both. Let's, let's pursue happiness in a healthy way this week. Let's think about it. Let's be proactive. Blessings. You have a good week.